0: Lord, I just want to say thank you uh, for your presence with us this morning. It's just just so wonderful. And I just ask you now, dear Holy Spirit, that you would intensify your presence on us. Amen. And ask God that as we listen to Scripture, our hearts will be warmed and strengthened and that peace will come, and that freedom will come. Ask, Lord, that in this room today there will be encounters with you, Holy Spirit, as we listen to good news and to your scripture, God. So be exalted in this place, Jesus. Let your salvation be made known. To our hearts and our understanding in every possible way, that we might leave this place transformed, full of hope, with faith grown and increased. So enlarge our hearts, God, and move on us, Holy Spirit. We just honor you, we bless you, we welcome you, and we just want so much more of you. So come, Holy Spirit, we just give you this time, and ask that you meet with us in the word of God as we continue to worship with receptive, open hearts. And I pray for this family here. Let the peace of Christ, let it rule and reign in their hearts. Amen. Mm. Amen. Amen. Um, Wow. Right. Today we're going to be uh, continuing our series from Hebrews chapter 11. So if you're new to the church, we're looking at a series in the book of Hebrews, and we're looking at men and women of faith. Uh, And today, uh, we're looking at the parson, Joseph, Joseph in the Old Testament, uh, a mighty man of faith. We're going to look at what his experience was, uh, his life journey. Um, I'm going to talk talk about three areas this morning. Um, Because we're looking at Hebrews as a book, I just want to sort of start off by briefly looking at Hebrews, why Hebrews, why was Hebrews written? Because I think before we sort of dip into um, Joseph and Hebrews 11, I think it's important that we know context of why that book was written, why was chapter 11 written, why have we got these examples of faith that we are encouraged to, uh, to imitate and follow in their steps. I want to look at why Joseph was mentioned. Why is he in that list? Do you think of all the saints that could be there? Joseph is in there. And I want us to look at the example of Joseph's life. Because his life is a great example to us. And I find that in Joseph, really, you have kind of like a picture of the Christian life. And in Joseph, you have really the story of a a man in preparation for, for leadership. So we're going to look at those three areas. Um, Oh, here we go. That's up there. Brilliant. Um, So before we start, before we sort of plunge into the life of Joseph, I just want to say why Hebrews was written. Um, Now, Hebrews, the book or the letter, scholars say different things about what it is, a book or a letter. It really doesn't matter. But one thing it is, is an exhortation. It is an appeal to... Christian believers, mainly Jewish believers, there would be Gentiles amongst them, but mainly Jewish believers, who were drifting and giving up their faith. And they were not enduring trials and suffering. So the writer of Hebrews is exhorting them, appealing to them, urging to them, to run their race with endurance, to hold firm their confidence for their confession in Christ, He's saying to him, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. He's saying, imitate those who through faith and patience have inherited the promises. Look at these guys, look at these men, look at these women. Follow them, be like them. Just like Paul said, you know, follow my example. So the writer of Hebrews is saying the similar thing here. There are men and women of faith and we can imitate and follow them. So there's an exhortation, there's an appeal, there's an urging from the writer to these mainly Jewish Christians to come on, press on, carry on, don't give up. Amen. But also in the book of Hebrews, um, the, the writer, because we don't know who wrote the book, um, the writer is wants to show the supremacy of Christ. Hmm. He wants to show how great is the salvation that we have in Christ. And what folly, really, it would be to to leave that to go somewhere else. So, the writer says, of Jesus, that he is the son of God, and God the son. He says that he is our great high priest. So not just a priest, but our great high priest. That his priesthood and his saving work and his intercession and his care for us <coughs> and being for us, being there for us, that he, ha- he is a permanent and eternal helper. Amen. He's never going to stop helping you. That's right. That his ministry and his priesthood is is an eternal priesthood. Mm-hmm. It's never going to end. Mm-hmm. So it's always going to be there for you. He's always going to be your mediator. <coughs> he's always going to be your helper. And it says of Jesus that he is better, greater, and superior than anything that's gone before. When you think of the Old Testament, you think of all the, the, the sacrifices and the, and the rituals and the rules and the regulations and all the offerings and all, the, all, all that stuff. And the priesthood as well. And the righteous saying, Jesus is greater, greater, better, superior than all of that. In fact, all of that was pointing to Jesus to bring us to Christ. So all of that stuff was really like a like a signpost that points to Jesus. Amen. And what the crazy thing is, is that these Jewish believers um, who have arrived at their destination, which is Jesus, are now going back to the signpost. Going back to their the old covenant way, you know, these the sacrifices and rituals. They're going back to that. And the righteous are appealing to them saying, What are you doing? This stuff is just copies and types and shadows of a greater heavenly reality that is Christ. All this stuff is pointing to Jesus. You've arrived at Christ in the gospel and now you're leaving. What are you doing? So there are warnings. There are warnings. Something else before before we move on to warnings just to say something else about Jesus that he he is forever the same. Amen. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never going to change. So the the Jesus that is uh, shown to us, revealed to us, represented in the Gospels, that wonderful Jesus, well, that Jesus, he's never going to change. You're not going to meet a different Jesus in heaven. You're going to meet the Jesus of the Gospels in heaven. And he's never going to change. You know, this Jesus, who saves completely, once and for all time. You know by that one sacrifice of Jesus uh, he has completely. completely saved us completely, utterly that means he's got everything covered there's nothing that's not covered mm-hmm. in, in the death, in the sacrifice of Christ he saves us completely and he uses the word to the uttermost mm-hmm. it means it's like everything every angle covered every I dotted every T crossed there's nothing left out you are saved completely and to the uttermost, and goes on, and, and he, he says also that he's never going to leave off the faith. And just going back to the warnings now, um, that the warning is not to abandon, not to, if you like, commit apostasy, not to abandon your faith, to go back to copies and shadows. In Hebrews, it talks about two impossible things. It says that it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats. To save. But it also says that without faith it's impossible to please God. So faith is really important. You know, with God, faith is a big deal. I can't stress how important is faith. Because we're not saved by our works and our efforts and our merits and our performance, it's by faith. So faith is really important. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yes. You know, all our works, Isaiah said, you know, his righteousness is as filthy rags. Paul said, it, the Apostle Paul said that he had every reason to boast, as a Pharisee, as a Hebrew of Hebrews, you know, keeper of the law, blameless, and all the rest of it. But he said, you know, what? I count all this has rubbish, because I've found something better. I count it all but rubbish, that I may gain Christ. be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law but that which is through faith in christ paul said all this is worthless and rubbish is of no use to me anymore i once boasted in it it meant everything to me and then i had an encounter with god i had an encounter with the risen christ and now i've seen what all of this is worthless before a holy just and righteous god i've seen now that i need a better righteousness a greater righteousness where I can stand in the presence with God with boldness and confidence and full assurance of faith. So we've got exaltations, we've got Christ being exalted, we are being encouraged not to neglect so great a salvation. Amen. And we've got these warnings. So why is Joseph mentioned? If we can go, well here we go, one step ahead. Um, In chapter 11, we've got verse 22, quite an unusual verse that refers to Joseph. So, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the Exodus of the Israelites, and he gave directions concerning his bones. I mean, what a verse to (laughs) preach on. You know, it's not about bones, it's about faith. And a cross reference is in Genesis chapter 50, verse 24. Uh, and Joseph said to his brothers I'm about to die but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear saying God will surely visit you and you shall carry out my bones from here I will say a couple of things about Joseph one is one already said that he is a great example of faith but but this verse is really important because in this verse we've got a what I would call a significant statement a significant statement because Joseph believed the same promises that God made to Abraham he believed that same promise and that's really important that's really important so Joseph if you like Shares the faith of Abraham. Shares the same faith. I'm going to look at some example texts. In Romans 4 it says in verse 3 that Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Or if you like it was credited to him. Put into his account. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Paul goes on in verse 5 and says that faith is counted as righteousness. And Paul uses an expression uh, which is called uh, the righteousness of faith. And that's a really important expression that we we know and understand. The righteousness of faith. And we all know Romans chapter 5 verse 1, that famous verse, since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God. You know, it's by faith that we have peace with God. Amen. Aren't you glad it's not by works? Right. Who amongst us could arrive and, and be saved <coughs> it stands for our works? Who amongst us could be good enough? Right. I'm so glad it's by faith. And it's not even my faith, it doesn't even come from me, but it's a gift of God. So I can praise God for that. Paul speaks of the same blessings that Abraham enjoyed will be given to the one who shares in the faith of Abraham. So to conclude, faith faith is really important. Joseph shared the faith of Abraham as do all believers. We share the faith of Abraham. We also gain and share in the same benefits. That Abraham benefited from. We too are counted righteous. We too, as it says, as Paul said, we have been justified. Amen. And justified is like a legal term. Uh, it, it means to be declared righteous. It means that you have been acquitted in God's court. Amen. You have been acquitted, and there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So it's not simply that your sins have been taken away, which they have. It's not simply that you have been forgiven, which you have, but actually you have been credited with something, and that is the righteousness of God as a free gift through faith. And that's amazing. And this is why Joseph is mentioned, because his faith, it was a saving faith. It wasn't just a general belief in God. It's not that faith that James was talking about where in James, James said you believe in God, well that's great, so does the devil and he trembles. I'm not talking about a general faith but we're talking about a very specific faith with a focus and an object. It's a trust. It is a reliance, it is a dependence, it is a hoping on, it is putting all your eggs in one basket which is Christ and leaning on and trusting on him alone. So the whole point of the law and even the gospel is to bring us to Christ so that we may look to him, that we may embrace him, run to him, cleave to him, hold on to him, trust in him. And Joseph had this faith. It was more than a general faith in God. He believed in God, he believed in the promises of God. And he shared in the same righteousness that Abraham received as a free gift. Amen. As do all believers. Hallelujah. So now moving on to the example of Joseph's life. Joseph. Joseph, I have to say, is one of my favourite characters in the Bible. For a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, I've got three children and my, my son, my, my oldest, Our firstborn, we called him Joseph. Amen. And I wish I brought it. I didn't think of it until it was already here, but we've actually got a picture of Joseph when he's about three months old in in like a blue kind of baby grow with all these stripes standing (laughs) (laughs) like like a coat of many colours. And it just looked amazing. And I wish I thought of it earlier because I would have brought it. Um, Perhaps for another time. But when, when I first became a Christian when I was 15 years old, I got saved uh, into, thankfully, a really good evangelical church that was really strong in preaching and teaching. And they did expository preaching, so they would work through the Bible verse by verse. And the morning services, they were working through the life of Joseph. So as a young Christian, straight away, I was exposed to this character of Joseph and, and encouraged and helped by the example of his life. So I love Joseph and I love his example I I love the way that he persevered and he endured incredible trials and suffering and I think if I ever met him I think if I ever met him in heaven I'd go up to him and say thank you for being such a great example for walking with God for walking in faith yeah. so so amazing and we're going to start the story of Joseph in Genesis uh, 37 uh, it's kind of where he comes onto the scene, he's, he's age 17 years old um, it says of Joseph that, that he was loved by his father his father was Jacob, took Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and then Joseph Jacob loved Joseph, Amen. and this his favourite. because he was born to Rachel, who was the love of his life, and unfortunately she died in, in childbirth later, uh, giving birth to his younger brother Benjamin. But he was loved by his father, and so were we. did you know we are all God's favourites? That God shows no partiality. In Christ there's neither Jew, Gentile, male, female. We are all valued, equally valued. We are all his favourites. So there are types and things in Joseph's life that would point to real spiritual truths and realities in our own lives. So we are all God's favourites. And so much so that that Jacob gave Joseph a gift of a, a robe or a coat Of many colors didn't go down well with his brothers (laughs) it's it says that his brothers hated him Mm -hmm. but you know we have been given something far greater than a coat of many colors I'll I'll let Isaiah explain to you in Isaiah 61 verse 10 Isaiah says that God has clothed me Mm. with garments of salvation he has covered me with a robe of righteousness so we have something so greater than a coat of many colours, we have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ so his perfect life and obedience has been credited to you and you have been clothed with that righteousness how wonderful, how beautiful and you know what, God loves to look at it as well and we are, our lives are hidden in Christ in God so we have this wonderful free gift of righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he was hated by his brothers. As you know, I'm sure many of you know this story, he gets a dream which is interpreted uh, by his brothers that Joseph would one day rule over them and that they would bow down to him. You can imagine how that went down. So it's the, <coughs> the Bible says he was hated even more so he was because of their their hatred they threw him down a pit they were going to kill him when they ended up throwing him down a pit and they sold him into slavery you know this it's quite easy to read that and kind of move on but this was a big deal this was kind of a real life event this was really really traumatic now it doesn't say straight away but later on in in uh, in Genesis when the brothers are reflecting at what they did to Joseph they said we saw the distress of his soul when he begged and pleaded with us not to do it now this this word distress it comes up quite a lot in the Bible it means like tribulation do you know in a Christian life we're going to get tribulation Jesus said that in the world you will have trouble and tribulation so if your expectation of the Christian life is just simply health, wealth and happiness you're in trouble seriously because whenever any of those things happen to you trouble, tribulation you need a theology of suffering that's going to be able to cope with that so we need to have a great understanding of how God is at work in our lives you know, sometimes God will allow trials in our lives. But he's working for our good. Yeah. And he's forming Christ in us. And he's making us more and more like Jesus. Amen. There's a posh word for it, a big word, it's called sanctification. That's not going to happen by your comfort. No pain, no gain. As they say in the gym. Eh, but that's the reality, isn't it? And you need to have a theology that can accommodate suffering in your life. It means you need to believe in the sovereignty of God. You need to believe that he has a plan and a purpose and that he's working everything for your good. And when things go wrong, it's not because he's left you, but he is with you in that fire. You know, Peter and James, they both said, Well, they refer to the testing of our faith. Your faith's going to be tested. It's going to be tested. I wonder what it will produce in us. Hopefully it will look like gold. There are Old Testament examples of distress and tribulation. So this same word is used quite frequently... Uh, in the life of David, he uses it a lot in the Psalms. So he was being, as you know, pursued by Saul and running for his life. He was surrounded by enemies. It says of him that he was distressed. The same is said of Jonah. Jonah, in the belly of the whale, praying to God, he was in distress. He was experiencing tribulation. What about Job? Job Look at the life of Job, he lost his family. It says that he was in distress, I can imagine. I find Job a real provocation. Job was in distress he just lost his family and a whole bunch of other stuff and his response was not God I hate you he said that he worshipped that's really challenging isn't it what great faith I would say by Job, you could easily have a scripture that says, by faith he worshipped. Despite that distress and that tribulation. When he's down this pit, he is, he's, he's, um, he's sold as a slave and he's bought by uh, a guy called Potiphar and he's uh, the captain of the guard uh, in, in Pharaoh's um uh, the captain, I think, of the, guard, the, the prison guard uh, for Pharaoh. So he's bought by Potiphar, and there's a scripture that says directly after that, "The Lord was with Joseph." Amen. Hallelujah. So glad this in. You. Because you think this poor guy is on his own? No, he wasn't. And even the writer in Hebrew said he quoted that did he not say that he will never leave us nor forsake us? So this is true in in Joseph's life. The Lord was with Joseph. Now Potiphar's wife takes a liking to Joseph and she's making advances towards him. And Joseph, this wonderful man of God, I love his response, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You know, ultimately, sin is not the breaking of a law. It is that. It's a transgression of God's standards and his law. But it's more than that. Sin, ultimately, is against God, isn't it? Ultimately, it's rebellion. It's doing our own thing. And Joseph understood that. His response wasn't a legalistic response. He's to not do this against God. What I love about Joseph is that through his life he kept connection with God. He walked with God. And he communed with God and he knew what it was to abide with God. Yes. So when you're faced with sin, it's, it's about relationship, isn't it? It says, as she kept pressing him, it said that he fled and got out. That's the best response to temptation, isn't it? Is to to flee and get out of there. That's that's the smart thing to do. The best way, as someone once said, the best way to avoid sin is to avoid the temptation and it's not being smart or wise to stay there. Now there may be times where you may be faced with temptation and it's not smart to think I'm going to change this person when there's temptation. The best thing is to flee and get out. That's the smart thing to do. And sometimes we have to Commit people to God. You know, because of this, he was falsely accused. And he was put in prison. And then you get this wonderful verse verse that says, The Lord was with Joseph, and showed him steadfast love. So that steadfast love means that God showed him kindness, uh, God showed him care, uh, and that God showed him loyalty. So God was with Joseph. I love the fact that the Bible in the story of Joseph interjects these wonderful little scriptures that God was with him. And that's really, really encouraging. You know, Despite all that he was going through, he kept connection and he stayed close to God. So much so that when he was in prison, there's a couple of prisoners in there and they're having these dreams and he gets to interpret their dreams for them. Amen. And when they say to Joseph, we've got these dreams, I love what, what Joseph says. He says, you know, only God can interpret dreams. So, please tell me your dreams Amen. you can't say that unless you're walking with God Amen. Amen. we know there's evidence there that this is a man walking with God Amen. only God can do that now how can I help it's a man who's walking with God because he is connected and walking in communion with God and he is confident through his relationship with God that God will interpret those dreams and he'll be able to share that with those two guys uh, which is something that he did. So he interprets their dreams and he says to these guys or at least to one of them don't forget me because they end up being one of them gets restored back to Pharaoh's service and he says to them don't forget me. Well he did get forgotten um, and he's in prison for two years, and he's forgotten about. Until Pharaoh has a dream, and no one could be found to interpret his dream. Uh, then the servant who was in the prison remembers there's this man in prison who could interpret dreams. So Pharaoh gets called in front. Sorry, Joseph gets called in front of Pharaoh, and he's able to inter- um, interpret. Pharaoh's dreams. And I love what Pharaoh says about Joseph. Pharaoh says, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? So this is a man that's walking with God and he's in front of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, if you like. And Pharaoh recognizes this is a man is full of God. He could be presented with a man that's full of bitterness, couldn't he, quite easily. Mm. It's funny, in Hebrews it says, don't let a root of bitterness grow in you. So Pharaoh recognizes this is a man of God who is full of the Spirit. You know, because Joseph, if you like, walked with God and dignified the trials, he was promoted and became the second most powerful man in Egypt. That's quite a promotion. But because of Joseph's challenging journey and he persevered, and he endured. God was able through Joseph to save a nation. Amen. <clears throat> but not just Egypt, but surrounding nations also, who were experiencing the, the seven year famine. There was such a buildup of a grain in Egypt that other nations would come to Egypt. So if it wasn't through um, Joseph and his walking with God, humanly speaking, the world would be a very different place. Just for one man. Egypt would have looked very different in those states. The patriarchs that we have, the whole line, they would have all died off from starvation. The line that actually brought us to Christ. So you never know, do you, what God is doing in your life. While he's in this position, his brothers come to him, and they don't recognize him. But eventually he reveals himself, and Joseph forgives his brothers. Gosh, that must have been really tough. Because Joseph was 17 when he first got that dream. When he was uh, promoted to Pharaoh's court, if you like, he was 30 years old. So we're talking about a 13-year journey of tribulation and suffering um, and horrific time. So bad was his time that when Joseph had two boys, he, he, he pretty much named the first one hardship and the second one affliction. He gave them these names which meant hardship and affliction. So you knew that he was going through a tough time. And he met his brothers, and his response to them was not payback. This is my opportunity to get them back for what they've done for me. Joseph, being the man of faith, said that God sent me Amen. to save a nation. Hallelujah. He could have said, "He's done all this stuff. I hate you. Get out my sight. You're getting no grain." And whatever he could have responded in all kinds of ways, but his response was, "God sent me." And also he went on to say, "What you meant as evil to me, God meant it for good." So Joseph, the man of faith, he had a very different perspective on on his sufferings and God's plan and purposes in his life. It's challenging, isn't it? It's really challenging. Amen. The fact that Joseph said God meant it for good. Paul says the same thing in Romans eight twenty-eight, doesn't he? Where he says God is working all things together for our good. So those that love God, Amen. Paul says the same thing. Amen. You know, it's one thing on hindsight, looking back, say it's all it's all panned out and it's all worked for my good. But can you, and can I, in the midst of a very difficult time, can we say, can we believe now <coughs> God, that God right. is working that's all things right. for good? That's it's one thing to be at the end of your life and look right. back and say, God works everything for my good. But while you're in the fire and the trial that's and the suffering, right. can you that's say, I believe God is working all things for that good? That is. Yeah. That's challenging, isn't it? Yeah that's really challenging so he forgives his brothers he forgives them of their debt they were not debt to him weren't they he forgives them he releases them he lets it go you know what, if, if Joseph hadn't forgiven them, he'd still be in a prison, wouldn't he? Just of a different kind. You know, in, in Matthew, uh, Matthew's Gospel, I think it's chapter 18, uh, Jesus tells the story of the unforgiving servant, who um, he himself is forgiven a great debt, but he doesn't forgive a small debt that someone owes to him, in comparison to his huge debt and the master of this servant was really angry and put him in prison and then Jesus said and then Jesus said and so will my father do to you if you do not forgive again that's a big challenge isn't it so if we do not forgive people in our lives we will carry on being a victim and we will be in prisons of our own making. Yes. So your suffering will continue. Yes. And it's really hard when the person that hurts you is close to you. In Joseph's case, it was his family. That may be the case in your life. It may be your friends. Now sometimes the people that hurt you may be your spiritual family. Maybe you have experienced Pain as a result of another believer. But we must forgive. Otherwise, we will stay in prison and prolong our own suffering. Yes. And I'm not saying it's easy, but it really, really isn't. And I could tell you stories uh, where the people that hurt me most in my life have not been the world, unfortunately. Uh, they've been other believers whether they meant that or not that has been the outcome and I have to forgive and release them that I might move on in my own walk with God and that's really really important So just to conclude really about Joseph he was a man of faith he walked with God he stayed in communion and fellowship with God despite incredible difficulties in his life and he is put forward as, as an example to us and someone that we can imitate. So there's the provocation, isn't it? There? There's the challenge. Will we be like Joseph? So I think I think I'll end there. But what I'd like to do, uh, it's okay with you, so is just to pray for you. Um, you can stand or see it, it really doesn't matter but I would like to pray for us I hope you found that helpful Hallelujah Lord I want to say thank you for the life of Joseph so thank you for his example and we recognize that he achieved all that he did because of your grace in his life and we recognize that we achieve that all we can achieve because of your grace in our lives and we thank you for the gift of faith we thank you that it's because of you that we persevere in faith and we endure and we pray that whatever the circumstances of Our lives are now that you will help us, Jesus, Mm -hmm. through difficult times. Mm -hmm. I thank you for the promise that you are with us always. Mm -hmm. I thank you just as you were with Daniel in the fire, you were with Joseph in the prison and the pit and being falsely accused and all those other things that he went through. I thank you. As you were with him, you were also with us. Amen. And we just say thank you, Jesus. That not only do we live by faith, but we live by your faithfulness and your care over our lives. And Lord, I just want to pray that if any of us here, God, have someone in our life that has caused us great harm that by your grace you would help us to release them of their death that we might step into freedom so God I ask for that grace upon each and every one of us God that we will be those who forgive seventy times seven and more in comparison to the great debt that we have been forgiven. Mm -hmm. And help us to grow in our faith to believe that you are working all things together for our good. Mm -hmm. Knowing that not everything is good right now, necessarily. But, you are working all Mm -hmm. things to that final outcome which is our good and welfare. Mm -hmm. And we thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, God, we want to stand before you with no bitterness in our hearts, with no unforgiveness. We don't want to grieve or quench your Holy Spirit in our lives. We want to walk with you, we want to communion with you, we want to abide with you. We want your Holy Spirit to be ungrieved, unquenched in our lives. We want to be more like Jesus who at the cross says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even if they did, the same would be true. That you can forgive. Mm -hmm. So God, let that be true of us. Let us follow the example of Jesus. Let us follow this this great example of all these wonderful saints, men and women of God, Mm -hmm. who ran the race well. Mm -hmm. And let us, like Joseph, at the end of our Life. Have, make this great statement of faith whereby we say we believe God. I know that I trust in Him. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.